Praise God. Amen. God is so good, church. We serve an awesome God, a mighty God. Uh, He's great in power and strength. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, it's always an honor and a pleasure to preach the word to anybody that wants to listen. It's exciting. But today's a special day, I think, because all over the world, um, churches are preaching about Jesus. This is a day that people preach about Jesus. Now, this shouldn't really surprise anyone, um, but unfortunately, churches have really moved away from the gospel message in many cases. We replaced his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection with many other themes and schemes, uh, messages of man-based hope and methods instead of the cross and instead of his saving grace and saving power. But this week and, and next, almost every church across America, and I might say even around the world, is going to be speaking about Christ, the Savior of the world, the, his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, which leads to his crucifixion and, and Good Friday and Easter, or better yet, what we should say is really Resurrection Sunday, where Jesus the Messiah is going to ar- uh, arrive and be raised up from the grave, breaking the chains that bind uh, him and us and creating a way of escape for really for all of mankind, for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this week now between Sunday um, and uh, next Sunday is really called Passion Week. And these are the final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry, which begins on Palm Sunday and works his, uh, really his triumphal entrance into Jerusalem and ends with him going to the cross. And then the grave and, or the tomb. And then while Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost, others are coming um, to set up his, thought he was coming to set up his kingdom. And while they thought he would start this week with, this, with their newfound king, he would really end this week carrying his newfound cross. And heading to Golgotha, the place of the skull, to be tortured and scourged and bruised and beaten and crucified and killed. And a spear is put through his side, piercing his heart, where blood and water is gushed out from him. This would be no ordinary man. This would be no ordinary story. This would be no ordinary week. This is Passion Week. And this is, was Jesus the Messiah, fully God, fully man, 100% God, 100% man, right? A mystery and a miracle, like I always say making his entrance into Jerusalem. Many would be confused. Others would be threatened. And the list of the emotions are going to affect many people in many different ways. But one thing was for, for sure. Jesus is coming. Jesus the Messiah is here. And this is his story of his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem and into Passion Week. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We're going to be into the book of Mark, and I've spoke to my wife, and I asked her if she would come, and if she would read this passage of Scripture for us today. Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, 
tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Thank you, Jennifer. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the word that was read, O Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that's being done here in this church today and all week long, O God. We thank you, mighty God, for your great and awesome God. And and Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we too will welcome you into this church, that we too will welcome you into our cities and our towns, that we too will welcome you into our heart, our mind, our soul. Mighty God, move in us, O Lord Jesus. Move in us, O Lord God. And help us to experience you in such a great way, O God, that we can never never deny you, God, in our life, Lord God, because we know that you're real. We know that you're the king. We know that you're the Messiah. We know that you're the anointed one, Father God. Help us, Lord God, to proclaim this message, O God, in the streets, in the highways, in the byways, wherever we go, O Lord. May we declare who you are, O God. We thank you, Lord, for these words that have been spoken and will continue to be spoken, O God. Be with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing I like to look at this morning is how Jesus entered Jerusalem and then look at the why. And there's some things that I think we can learn from the process as we do this. And so how did Jesus enter Jerusalem? How did Jesus enter Jerusalem? He entered on a donkey not a horse. Now, why a donkey and not a horse? Because a donkey was symbolic of peace, where a horse was usually symbolic of war. Jesus came peacefully. He wasn't looking for a fight, but it looked when the week was over that a fight is what he was actually in. He came on a cult, which was never written before. And I believe some of it is because it was symbolic that he did something that was never done before. Jesus is king. That's true. But this time, this kingdom, his kingdom has not yet come. He's coming as a servant. How did Jesus enter Jerusalem? He entered as a lowly servant looking for peace, not as a raiding king looking for power. Jesus is a suffering servant. He will greatly suffer over the next several days. Lives and souls will be in the balance here. Jesus will give his life so that we can keep our life because without Jesus and the suffering and the pain that he's about to go through on the cross, we would lose our life. We would remain in our sin and remain in our bondages and remain in our strongholds in our life. But praise God, Jesus came. Praise the Lord, he came and he died and soon will be resurrected soon after much suffering. He suffers greatly. But in the end, we know that he's going to be victorious and, and he will remove the sting of death, amen? And, 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 and he, will, he will defeat Satan and Satan's schemes in the process as well as providing us with a means of salvation. What Satan meant for evil, the Lord was able to use for good. 
while Satan tried to kill Jesus on the cross, it was actually a heel wound, we find out. But the real death blow was done to Satan. And this was done 2,000 years ago on the cross when Jesus, the anointed one, humbled himself in the sight of the Lord and yielded his will to God's will. Thy will be done. He gave his life so that we can get ours back and those who place their full trust in Jesus Christ and believe on the cross and what happened on the cross and believe in our Savior Jesus is now going to enter into a lifelong relationship, a forever relationship with our King, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God. How did Jesus enter Jerusalem? With cheers and shouts of joy. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now this word, Hosanna, is like hooray, hooray. It's a praise in a sense. Save us now. Save us, we pray. Save us now. And so there's cheers of joy and hope. And people are looking for their Messiah, their new king. And there's so much great excitement in the air. Hallelujah. But in a few days, within seven days, there's these, these cheers and these shouts of joy are really going to turn to shouts of curses and hatred. And they will turn and now say, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! One moment they're praising a king. And then they turned Him into being a criminal. What they expected him to do did not happen. So they turned on Jesus. How fast people can turn. How fast people can praise you and the next moment hate you. How fast people change on you. How fast people despise you. And they despised Jesus. And they didn't understand what he was doing, what he came to do, or why he did it. How did Jesus enter Jerusalem? He entered with love and grace instead of with force and fear. Jesus loved people, and he would give his very life for those people who hated him and wanted him dead. They wanted a new king, but it was not his time. They wanted a new king, but he was a humbled servant. They wanted war, but he came in peace. They wanted the Roman oppression to stop. He wanted Satan's strongholds to stop and to be broken. They wanted new leadership in him. He wanted new hearts in them. He came in love and grace instead of force and fear. Church, Jesus will never force you to follow him. Never. He will never force you to believe in him. You're always free to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive you, Lord. You're always free to do that. But you're also free to reject him and say, no, I will not follow you. I will not serve you. He will never force you to follow him. Never. Or to love him. But if there's any fear that people have, it should be the fear of death and not knowing him. If there's any fear you should have, it's spending eternity without him. If there's any fear, it's the fear knowing that you wasted and squandered your life on earth when you could have lived for him and made a difference on earth and in eternity. How sad it is when people wake up and they realize they've been in a stupor and they've been asleep to find out their life that they lived really did not matter at all. It's a test for your forever and you failed it and forsaken and you were part of those that crucified him. 
If you could only have understood what happened, if you could only understand who the Messiah is, he died for all of us. We crucified the one and only who was the one and only who could have saved us. How sad that is when it's that one that you reject. Why did Jesus enter Jerusalem? To let people know that he was the Messiah. To let people know that he was the king. He rides into the capital, Jerusalem, and receives what a conquering king should receive. He received royal treatment. He received worship and praise of the people. For only he is truly worthy. He is the only one worthy. He is the only one who deserves all praise and glory and honor. And he came to reveal his identity. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the master, the holy one, the savior. He came to reveal who he was and is and is to come. And he still comes today to his people. He wants people to receive him into their hearts as Lord and King. And when he comes into our lives today and he knocks, and he knocks, he will never come into your heart uninvited. You must invite him in. He will not force his way in. And today, you have a chance, once again, to invite Jesus into your hearts as well. Today is no difference. Jesus still comes. Jesus still knocks. Jesus is still marching on. And he wants access to our heart. But often we reject him. We often deny his power. We deny his story. We deny his life story. Deny who he is. We deny what he has done. To many, today, many people still have the same problem they had 2,000 years ago. They want a king, and they wanted a king that would give them what they wanted. But he came to give them what they needed. A transformation of the heart and soul. They wanted physical changes, and he wanted spiritual changes. They wanted a new life, and they, and they wanted a life without Roman oppression, but he wanted to give them a new life without the devil's oppression. How did they honor Jesus in Jerusalem? There were those who went ahead and those who followed, shouting, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They honored him as a king. They honored him as his leader. They honored him by showing up, by shouts of joy, by elevating him to a level of royalty. But this will not last. This will not last. How did they honor Jesus in Jerusalem? They honored Jesus verbally, through words of joy and blessing. And we need to do that, church. We need to do that. We need to learn to praise his name. We need to exalt his name. And my prayer is that sometime today or throughout this week or even throughout this service, that we just praise his name. This is a holy week for sure. Don't let this be another day. Don't let this be another Sunday. Don't let this be another week. It's time to simply worship our Lord and our King, Jesus. Take time to honor Jesus with words. He is worthy of all praise. For those who are married, for those who are in any kind of uh, relationship, you know how it feels when you're honored and praised by your loved one. And spouses, if you haven't honored your wife or your husband in some time, say something nice to them today. It's welcoming, for sure. 
In fact, if you're a saint of God and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you should have words of honor and praise. They should be on your lips at all times. If we're not careful, we grumble and we complain too much, church. If we're not careful, we can argue and we can bring down people. We ought to speak life to people and bring hope to people. I really believe this. If we have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. You'll actually look smart then. Stay quiet. Because often our words bring curses instead of love and joy and hope. And this is wrong. And this is dishonoring to God. Many honored Jesus verbally, and many more wanted him silenced. In John chapter 11, verse 47, following after the raising of Lazarus from the dead, we learn that the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, and their purpose was to kill Jesus. They had fear that everyone would believe in Jesus. That was their fear, that everyone would believe in this message. This message of hope is a great message. Not my message, the gospel message. It's a great hope. And so they had fear. And they had fear that the Romans would come in and, and take away their place and take away their nation. They wanted to stay in power. And they wanted Jesus to step away. Jesus threatened their power. In Mark 11, verse 18, the chief priests and the teachers of the law began looking for a way to kill Jesus. For they feared him. Because the whole crowd was amazed by his teaching. We should be amazed by Jesus' teaching. Not by man's teaching. Not by the pastor's teaching. But by Jesus' teaching. By, by the words of God. This is to be words that, that you don't get so tired of hearing that you say, oh, I already know that. I already been there. I already got that. No. These words should still be words that amaze us. That the king of kings was born and he visited us. And then he comes and he comes and he wants to be part of us. Hallelujah. Just prior to this, Jesus enters the temple and begins driving out those who were buying and selling. And he overturned the tables, the money changers, and the, and, the, and, and the benches, and those that were selling doves. And would not allow any of the ones carrying the merchandise through the temple courts anymore. And this is where those famous lines that says, Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you made it a house of robbers or a den of of robbers. Church, this building is for all nations, for all people, for all those who believe in the living Savior. This house should be a house of prayer. It's not just for any God. It's for the living God, the Messiah, the anointed one. Hallelujah. And this should be a house of prayer. We need to take prayer more seriously. Jesus himself calls this place a house of prayer. And if nothing else is done, if nothing else is heard, when you enter in it, there should be a mindset we came to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray, pray all the time. Pray in the morning, pray in the noontime. Pray all the time. I can't wait, church, when we have prayer teams covering this church and what's happening in these communities 24-7, 365 days a year. I can't wait for that. When people say, this is important, this is my job, to pray for the church, to pray for the people, to pray for souls. That's my job. What a, what a high calling that is. What a high calling. If you have that gift, pray. Pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. We're all called to pray. But there's some people who have a gift of prayer. They take it to a whole other level. So we should all be praying and lifting each other up. Hallelujah. Can't wait 
for more and more people just getting serious about prayer. Over and over again, I want to encourage people to pray. I want to encourage people to exalt the name of the Lord, King Jesus, and lift up his name and lift up holy hands and get excited for about what's happening in the kingdom, what's happening at crossroads, what's happening in these towns, and what's happening in your homes. It's time for us to start getting excited about the things of God. Hallelujah. How did they honor Jesus in Jerusalem? They honored him with action. They laid down their cloaks and waved palms. Verse 8, many people spread their cloaks over the road while others spread branches they had cut in the field. There was great excitement. Jerusalem was in an uproar because Jesus entered Jerusalem. It was an exciting time. The palm branches is symbolic of victory and triumph and, and peace and eternal life. And a palm branch was awarded to the victorious athletes in in ancient Greece. And we see they they waved their palms for Jesus, the arrival of the new king. While today sometimes we wave palms, and I believe we have palms for everyone at the end of our service today, but every day you can raise your hands in symbolic towards heaven, acknowledging Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Hallelujah. We can lift up holy hands and praise His wonderful name. We don't need to wait another day or another season or another holiday to do this. The people took action. The people spoke words. The people shouted. The people made some noise. The people allowed their blood pressure to to rise up within them. Get excited, church. Get excited. People took action. They took off their cloak and out a garment, and they laid them on the floor, and they waved their hands and their palms. There's something to get excited about Jesus today. And if you're not, pinch yourself and say, why not? Not so hard that it's a bruise, but hard enough that you're like, ooh, ooh, that hurt. Ooh, I'm still sleeping. Do it again. And the church is... (laughs) The truth is, he's always near. He has always been near. And we should always have that joy that we're in the presence of King Jesus. There should be an air about us, not an arrogance, but an air, and there's a difference. Some, too many Christians have an arrogance about them. But there should be an, an air about them, an excitement in their hearts, a joy in their hearts, because we have a hope. Right? We have a hope in King Jesus. We have a great expectation that Jesus can come at any time for his saints at any moment. And you know, he, he's closer today than returning than he was yesterday and even a few, a few moments ago, a few hours ago. And Jesus will return again. But the next time he's coming back as a full king and he's going to set up his kingdom and he's a judge and he's going to judge people. Yes, there's, there's judgment coming for those who reject the Messiah. We, we only see the loving servant, but he's also a ruling king. In fact, decisions that you make on earth today while you're alive will affect what happens to you when you die. Those who reject Jesus, there will be suffering and gnashing of teeth. And those who receive Jesus, there will be joy and many blessings to follow. Those who reject him will be separated from him for eternity, while those who receive him will be able to spend eternity with him, which means forever. This week I ran into uh, someone at a pizzeria, the owner of a pizzeria in my old neighborhood, and he told me that he's a believer in Jesus Christ. 
And I had that feeling over the many conversations that we had, but he never articulated that. This particular week he did, and I was excited. And we got into some great conversations, and I told him um, that we will be forever together as believers now. He believed, he believes in the work of the cross. And, and it was just great conversations, hearing him in the middle of him running this business and this operation, and just watching him go, literally from the person who waited on tables to the person who owns the pizzeria. And you met him, Brian, or at least you met his cousin. So I'm speaking, so I'm speaking to this guy that I watched him just wait on tables, and he was faithful with a little, and now he owns the whole institution, and he started his second one, and it's thriving by Rutgers. I mean, it's just an amazing story. And he comes out and he says, I love Jesus. And isn't it about Jesus? And everything points to Jesus. And I was like, blown away. And I was so excited for him. And for us. Because I said, buddy, we get to hang out forever now. I might not see you right now, but we get to hang out forever. Because those who receive Jesus today, those who have Jesus in their life, while living on earth, will be able to spend it forever with him and with you and with us. Hallelujah. I hope you're excited on the inside. I hope you're excited. Jesus. Every soul you win for God, for every soul you win for Jesus, they will be with you forever and ever and ever. They laid down their cloaks. They waved palms. They plotted against him. They wanted him. Others wanted him killed. Others wanted him stopped. They wanted him silenced, right? This is what happens. There are too many people inside the church that want Christ silenced. In the church, inside our government, inside our towns, inside our families. So many people that just have their agenda. But now more than ever before, church, we're called to take a stand for Jesus. We're called to take a stand for righteousness. We're called to take a stand for purity. We're called to consecrate ourselves. We're called to separate ourselves from the world's standard and, and schemes. And we're to model Christ in all that we do. This is actions. This is words. This is deeds. So they honored Jesus verbally with actions, with shouts, with words. They also honored Jesus passionately. I can only imagine what that day was like. Only imagine the yelling, the shouts, the excitement, the joy. If any of you have ever been in Brooklyn, in the Troy Avenue, Eastern Parkway area, when there's a special major Jewish holiday, you know what I'm talking about. If there's ever a special hol- uh, celebration that takes place during that time, and you're in that area, and you see the Jewish people rallying and coming together as one body, as one unit, as one mind, as one group of people. It's an amazing thing to see where hundreds and hundreds come out. It's something to see waves of people, waves of excitement, right? These people have a, a, a great passion, a great zeal. We can learn something from our Jewish friends about their passion, about their zeal, about wearing the faith on the outside, not just in the inside and being secret agents. You can see them and you know them. I want that type of passion for Jesus. I want that type of passion for souls. I want that type of passion and zeal for myself, for my family, for the church. But primarily for me first. 
We got to get, we got to get healed first. We need Jesus all over us first. I want that type of passion. We are to honor Jesus passionately with our everything. Zacharias, Zechariah 9, verse 9 through 10. The section of the coming of the, of the Zion king. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous, and having salvation gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. He his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. We have something to be excited about, church. You have something to be excited about. I have something to be excited about. May our passion grow and grow and grow. We experience God like never before as we get serious about God like never before. How do they respond to Jesus in Jerusalem? They misunderstood why he came. They misunderstood who he was. They misunderstood what would happen next. They simply misunderstood. And many of the world religions today misunderstand who Jesus is. They're still looking. They're still looking. They're still waiting for their Messiah. They're still waiting for their King. They see Jesus as a good man. They see him as a good teacher. They see him as a, a prophet possibly, but they misunderstand he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of the living God, the great I Am. He's the exalted one. He's God himself. So they don't understand this. And they put all their emphasis on tradition and their teachings and other focuses. And they deny him and they reject him with their words, with their deeds, with their hearts, and therefore they're lost. For there's no way to the Father except through the Son. So many responded to Jesus in the wrong way. By rejecting his message. By rejecting who he is. By rejecting the Son of God. And finally, how should we respond to Jesus in our Jerusalem? I pray for the nation of Israel. First, pray for the nation of Israel. They're still God's chosen people. I believe that. And while I no longer argue that point, I don't argue that point. I stopped arguing that point really a long time ago. I don't really want to argue against God anymore. I don't want to argue against God's people anymore. I really don't want to just argue with people generally speaking these days. Having a conversation doesn't mean it has to be an argument. God always had a special plan for the Jewish people. Our scriptures say that. To represent the world, to set an example for others to live by and to be a witness and to see his grace and to see his provisions and to those who love him and trust him and obey him, he will bless them. God will bless you for being a blessing to the Jewish people as well as to God's people. The problem is many people have rejected him and they're lost. And so what do you do with somebody that you know is lost? You love on them. We pray that they will be found. We pray that God's grace, by God's grace, they'll get to meet Jesus and know Jesus and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray that salvation comes to Jerusalem and all that live in that nation and surrounding that nation. We pray that salvation comes to that area. 
Secondly, we should be praying for our Jerusalem. This is where we live. We pray for our cities. We pray for our communities where we hang out, where we spend time. We pray for our communities and the way they affect our family and our church and our neighborhood. And then we work our way outward to our Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the world. We have to be bold witnesses for God. How sad that so many today misunderstand who Jesus is and why he came. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be proclaimers. We are to take action. We are to set an example. We are to have a great voice in our Jerusalem. We start in our homes and with our families. And we work our way out through our churches and communities and schools and cities and towns. Setting a godly example wherever you go, church. Being a godly example wherever you go. You get gas. Being a godly example. When the person messes up your order in the store more than once, be a godly example. When they bring out the wrong food or the wrong stuff, be a godly example. When someone crosses you or curses you, be a godly example. Proclaiming the good news of Christ wherever you go. While he made this triumphant entrance into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, he still wants to make a triumphant entrance into the heart of everyone who trusts him and believe in him. Hallelujah. He came to seek those that were lost. Lost. Those who need saving. And the problem is so many people need saving. And so many are sick and hurt and dying. And they refuse this message. They refuse Jesus Christ. So many people are still looking for ways to, de- to deny him and to reject him. So many people are just running and hiding from, from these words, from the Holy Scriptures, from his voice and, what, and, and his ways and what, and what it's saying. But I'm here to tell you as clearly as I can, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the risen Savior. Jesus is alive. Jesus is sitting and seated at the right hand of Father God. He's the only begotten Son. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So repent for your sins. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And confess and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And you shall be saved. And you can have a transformation of your heart. A new life. A new beginning in Christ Jesus. Church, we all need something from Jesus. Some wanted a king. Some wanted a new beginning. Some wanted out of oppression and suffering. Some religious people wanted him dead. And others wanted him silenced. The question for us today is, what do you need from him? What do you need from Jesus today? For some it could be salvation. For others, healing. And for others, a various amount of things that come to mind but whatever it is he's waiting for you and he wants you to to make him lord and master and king of your life and of your heart because at the end of the day that's what matters most